Again, Shana Tova. Yesterday, I shared with you one of the great challenges of our time. That in this age of technology and scientific innovation, we have misplaced, or maybe intentionally replaced, the sacred in our lives. We have embraced modernity as a way to liberate us from repression, superstition, and authority. However, in that process, those same forces have subverted all that is sacred, all that we believe in, and thus many believe in nothing. I shared with you that story from Elie Wiesel of how we exiled God, dethroned the sacred from our lives. At a time when our world and our families and our very selves need to believe in something more than ever, we don't or we find it very hard. The goal of Judaism is not to make us believers in a God above. The goal of Judaism is to make us vessels of divine holiness here on earth. It's not about God. It's about godliness, the pursuit of the sacred. Godliness is what you do, not what you pray to. And so this morning, or now I guess this afternoon, I want to offer you five specific ways that we can reclaim the sacred in our lives. Five spiritual resolutions for the new year. Rabbi Rabbi David Wolpe observed that the best resolutions are elastic. They cannot be broken with a single act. If you swear never to touch red meat, then one burger ruins the resolution. If, on the other hand, you pledge to eat healthier food, each day you have a chance to fulfill that resolution anew. So with that as a guide, let me offer you these five ways that we can reclaim the sacred in our lives. Five ways that we can act with godliness towards others, godliness towards ourselves. Five ways that we can bring God out of exile, and seat God next to us on a throne of the sacred in this new year. Number one, choose pixels, excuse me, choose people. Al chet shechatan. We're just going to start the whole thing. No, it's good. <laughs> Number one, choose people over pixels. I shared yesterday that, we, that when we check our cell phones, before we check in with the person sleeping next to us, or the child running up to us, something is broken. And we've all seen it. We've sat in restaurants and seen couples sitting there, maybe their first night out without the kids in weeks, and they're each looking at their screens and not at each other's eyes. And I speak only from experience, because <laughs> I've done that too. Smartphone technology and their constant connectedness have disconnected us from one another. Two Hebrew words are instructive as we confront this modern challenge. Kedushah and Tumah. The first, Kedushah, it may be familiar to you. It's related to the word Kadosh, and it means holiness, which probably itself needs a definition. The great 18th century Kabbalistic rabbi 
Moshe Luzato, taught that Kudusha is a state in which there are no distractions. It is an experience in which two people become so fully united that all else is irrelevant. King David said it poetically. In this moment, my soul clings to yours. Martin Buber called it an I-thou. So if Kedushah is intimacy, then its opposite is Tumah, which would be distance or disconnection. So 300 years before Rabbi Luzado, there was another Kabbalistic rabbi. His name was Menachem Rakanti. And he observed that Kedushah is the preservation of the unity of worlds. And that Tumah is a troublemaker who separates close ones. The great rabbinic stages, they struggled with this word Tumah. Kadosh, holiness, we spent a lot of time on that. Tumah was elusive, difficult to understand. Rashi defined it this way. He said, Tumah is a gossiper who separates himself from God. Ibn Ezra said, Tumah is one who inspires violence and causes a breakdown in society and social relations. The Vilna Gaon he said that Tumah is that thing which destroys a marriage. Think of the Tumah in your life, the thing that separates you from others. Each description, the spreader of gossip, the cause of breakdown in social relations, the destroyer of loving relationships, each one of those could apply to the cell phone in your hand, the laptop on your lap, the iPad resting on your knees. Each one of them can separate us when a human being is trying to engage with us, is trying to seek Kedushah. In this new year, resolve to spend more time looking into someone's eyes when you communicate with them. Replace the Tumah with, of an extended text exchange with the Kedushah of meeting somebody panim al panim, face to face, or just snuggling together on the sofa. If you hold hands, it is very hard to also hold your cell phone. Make a promise of presence. A promise of presence. Number two, take your soul seriously. Like many of you, since the election of this last November, the one over the border, as though I needed to define that for you, the first thing that I do when I wake up every morning is I scan the news online or in print or on television to see what the President of the United States did or said while I was sleeping. <laughs> and it's often the last thing that I check before I go to sleep as well. As though my knowing will somehow impact his behavior. Olivai. It should only be. Add to that a deep concern for our city, our province, events in Israel, the heart-wrenching stories from around the world and I have become my own 24-7 news channel. It is easy to pretend that what we watch and how we speak has no effect on us. But the constant pounding of hatreds and dehumanization that marks so much of our media, they have consequences for our character as well. Part of who you are is the sum of the influences you choose. What you watch, who you associate with, how you speak about others both publicly and privately, 
Life is a continuous journey of soul shaping. And this year, let us resolve to keep our deeper journey in mind. Turn away from things that are seductive but corrosive. Twitter rants full of bile and Facebook posts that lead to nothing. Or people who continually insult those around them. Or depictions of violence that take savage delight in human suffering. You only get one soul. Don't squander it on unworthy things, things unworthy of its majesty. Take the care of your soul as seriously, or maybe even more seriously, than you take the care of your physical body. We go to the gym to protect our bodies from the eventual decline and rigidity that comes with age and the sedentary nature of many of our everyday lives. How are you protecting your soul from its own decay, from the ravages and assaults that we cannot unsee and will not soon forget? The synagogue is the gym for your soul. Elohai neshama shenatata bi techorahi, atavarata, atayitzarta, atanafachta bi, v'atamishamra bi kirbi. Every morning we say this prayer, a prayer for our soul. We say, the soul you have given me, O God, is pure. You formed it, you shaped it, you breathed it into me. You keep it safe within me. But it is not up to you alone, O God. It is up to me too. I must keep my soul safe as well. Number three, increase your kindness. To restore the sacred, we have to identify what really matters to us in life. For most people, it's not things that matter most, but relationships, people. The commandment, you shall love your fellow as yourself, obligates a person to perform acts of kindness towards other human beings. My favorite prayer in the entire Siddur is a passage called Elu Devarim. These are the things. It's an excerpt from the Talmud and it enumerates some of the commandments that are grounded in kindness. It reads like this. These are things that are limitless, of which a person enjoys the fruit of the world while the principle remains in the world to come. They are honoring one's father and mother, engaging in deeds of compassion, arriving early for study morning and evening, dealing graciously with guests, visiting the sick, providing for the wedding couple, accompanying the dead for burial, being devoted in prayer, and making peace among people. They are each commandments based in kindness and love for your fellow. Let's take just two of them, welcoming the guests and accompanying the dead for burial. In the scaffolding that Judaism provides for living a life rooted in kindness, these two acts manifest in making people feel comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Is there a more sensitive act of kindness that you have ever experienced than somebody making you feel comfortable when you're uncomfortable? People want to matter. They want to feel a sense of belonging, of acceptance, and we have enormous power to provide those things to others. Maybe we're the only ones that can. In this new year, let us resolve as a congregation and as individuals to greet each other when we come into this building 
particularly the stranger, the new face amongst us. Everyone can help, out hand, help hand out prayer books, can help a person find a page, offer an unfamiliar face a cup of coffee or a cookie from the Oneg, a kind word of welcome and shalom. And in this new year, let us also resolve to show up at the Shiva Minyanim of our members, those memorial services that remember their loved ones, not just our close friends. Sign up on the website. You can get an email that tells you when somebody in our congregation has died and when a Shiva Minyan is happening. And then make it part of your commitment to increase kindness by showing up for those who have lost the person who showed up most for them their entire lives. Abraham Joshua Heschel believed literally that this was all that you really need to do. Just show up. You don't even need to speak. He was famous for just arriving at a shiva and just sitting there. Sitting there for an hour or more and then leaving. He went to as many as he could and he was loved profoundly for doing nothing. Nothing more difficult than just showing up and taking a seat. Try it. See for yourself. Increase kindness. If you feel, or if you wish to feel, kind, do something good. Do something selfless. The great secret of moral growth is that it often begins from the outside. Rather than your joy leading you to smile, your smile, your gentle words, your showing up for others can lead to your own joy, can lead you to joy. Behave generously even when you don't feel like it, or rather maybe especially when we don't feel like it. And the habit will grow, as will our innate quality of kindness. Number four, choose someone to forgive. It can be hard to forgive. When someone hurts us, we know that we should forgive and that it would make our own lives so much easier if we just did, if we just let it go. But it's not easy, and we seldom do. Forgiving makes our lives easier, it really does, because we no longer expend the energy or feel the anger on that other. Not forgiving someone, it has been said, is like swallowing rat poison and expecting the other person to die. They are often untouched by our grudge, but we are made far less happy. All of us have legitimate grievances in our lives. Some people are very hard to forgive, but we need not begin with the toughest cases. Small acts of grace will grow. Forgive the person that cuts you off on the street. After all, you have cut off people on the street as well, on purpose or inadvertently. Forgive the person who made an unkind remark about you. Choose a place to begin. The more we forgive, the less the world can injure us. Forgiveness is a soft shield for your soul. And number five, in forgiving, include yourself. How we relate to others and how we relate to ourselves is often two sides of the same coin. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is the one who looks back at us in the mirror every morning. Whether it is for opportunities missed, mistakes made, or perceived imperfections that we sometimes carry a grudge against ourselves. As a result, we may suffer feelings of low self-esteem and a host of other negative emotions. When we are more willing to forgive ourselves 
This can open the door to forgiving others and make it a bit more easily. Jewish tradition addresses this with a prayer that I am sure you didn't learn in Hebrew school. But it's a prayer that we can say every night just before falling asleep. It reads like this. I hereby forgive myself for getting annoyed or mocking myself for something I did today or for sinning against myself, whether abusing my body, finances, or damaging my honor or anything else whether accidentally, willingly, unintentionally, or intentionally, whether in speech or in action, in this life or any other. And I should not be punished because of what I did to myself. Amen. It's a wonderful prayer. It's therapeutic, it's cleansing, it's purifying. Finishing the day like that puts all things into perspective. Forgive yourself. It sounds simple, I know, but don't think for a second that it is easy. Getting free from the tyranny of past mistakes can be really hard work. But the payoff is health, wholeness, and inner peace. In other words, you get your life back. Choose people over pixels. Take your soul seriously. Increase your kindness. Choose to forgive someone. And remember to forgive yourself. Five simple goals for the future. Easy, right? Not so much. We just need to keep on moving, though. Moving in the direction of the divine toward what is sacred in all of us. Rabbi Israel Salanter, founder of the Musar Ethical Movement, taught, I first wanted to change the world, but I found it too hard. So I tried to change my city. I couldn't do that either. So I tried to change my family. I finally realized that I could only change myself. It is that act of self-repair which attunes us to assisting others, to hearing the sacred, to changing the world. Rabbi Salanter continued that repairing one bad character trait is more difficult than learning the entire Talmud. Achieving practical results requires constant awareness and effort. All change begins with an awareness of the problem and a desire to repair. That's what a New Year's resolution really is. At its core, it's a promise to ourselves, with God as our witness, that we see a problem, that we will endeavor to fix it. The New Year is here, and so far we haven't wasted a single day of the future. So here is our chance. Here is our chance to live a more purposeful life. Will we achieve this every day? Of course not. Go back to rule number five. Forgive yourself first. The key resolution is not to triumph or to always succeed. Resolutions of the Spirit come down to one thought. In this new year, resolve to reclaim the sacred. Can you hear at so may it be God's will? Amen.